and the ghost of Christmas kick your ass! Gotcha. Thank you, Gutex. Yep, well, no problem. I guess this is going to be a very, very special episode. Of course, everybody knows I'm the trigger happy Chatterbox. This is the world's greatest detective. Yo. So, um, for season three, we always try to add a certain guest, a big guest, if nothing else. And we're no stranger to the fighting game community. Is is if anything else, me and my co-star were like, who's the first dude who we could bring on the show? And uh, without further ado, our guest at this time is well, one half of the excellent adventures, and of course. If I have to say, the one of the Mount Rushmore pioneers, Mr. Gutex himself. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Um, so, I think the first thing I want to start with, because me and CoStar have uh, lots of things to either ask you or to talk about in terms of the fighting game community, but I think, if anything else, I do want to ask, man, because like everybody has their, their humble beginnings, their, you know, where it first started for them. And that's where I want to ask you, like, like, where did it start for you in terms of, like, fighting games? Hmm. Well, it, uh, for me, with fighting games, it started in an arcade in Hawaii, actually. <laughs> when I was a kid, uh, my, uh, my parents, you know, like, would take me to Hawaii, and as a young young Gutex many, many Street Fighters ago, uh, I was in this arcade that really had nothing to play. Uh, you know, all the games were, all the games sucked. It was kind of boring, but there was one game that stood apart from all the rest, and it was Street Fighter 2. Not because I knew what a great game it was, but it was because my friends at school played it, and I didn't play it, and it was hard, and they made fun of me. But then when I finally got to play it by myself in, a, in an empty arcade and really got to just experience it that way, yeah, I mean, I, I fell in love, and I you know, then started to, you know, read as much as I could, you know, like reading text FAQs at the time and, you know, even being a small child, not being any good, but still, you know, making the effort to try to get good, um, which still took, you know, a number, like, <laughs> it, was, it was still a long journey um, from that point. But yeah, I mean, really just fell in love with it in the arcades, kept playing, you know, as like growing up and then really started to i guess go hard with it when i was in college yeah no i got you man and uh i think the thing like to add to you know the arcade scene i think for those that are not aware because i mean you have a lot of people who just jumped on online and that's like their version of the arcade era right if anything more what's the difference between back in the 90s with the arcade era, like being on a cabinet versus you being online. I mean, there's obvious ones, but from your experience, like what was it like then? And then like to the online, what does it feel like? Does it feel the same or? Yeah. So, um, the, the arcade era, at least here in, um, you know, in America, uh, rest in peace. It's, it's really, it's really a vibe, I guess you could say. And when I first went to Family Fun Arcade, which was at the time the epicenter of third of West Coast Third Strike, um, it was 
I mean, honestly, it was kind of magic because you you walk in and there was I mean, there had to have been at least a dozen, you know, fighting games, fighting game cabinets. And the way that it worked at FFA was like we called it the big boy machine up in front um, because at the front of the of, of the entrance, there was a head to head third strike machine that all of the strongest players played at. And but you could still see what was going on on the cabinets from, you know, from right outside. And, you know, so people would chill there while they're, you know, you know, while they're chit chatting and smoking or whatever and like watching um, the games. And what is largely missing from playing online right now is that is the is the community vibe. Because when you're going to the same place all the time, like, you know, even though it was like a super far drive, I was just going every week. And when we would stand there and, you know, we're there playing like all night, you know, you, you get to know people and you have conversations with people uh, that you would have never had online because the beauty of playing in person like that in a sort of unstructured environment is that you're going to have a lot of insight and knowledge shared that you wouldn't have otherwise because things come up in conversation that you know when you're talking with somebody that you know is just not going to happen over a keyboard and so yeah. the challenge now i think for many people is to have is to be able to thrive in either environment because um you know not everybody lives in a place that has an active scene. Um, but just because you don't have that doesn't mean that you can't, you know, create it online. It's just way harder online. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Good old, uh, Batman. I know you've got some questions, buddy. Hey, yeah. Um, Oh, can you, you should probably turn up your mic a little bit cause it's coming in a little soft. Let me see if I can do that. Yeah. Like put it up. Put it, lean up way up in there. Let me see, way up in there. Deeper. Deeper. There we go. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, good enough? Yes. Nice. All right. Sorry about that. Oh, no worries. Um, and sorry for the late join. Qtex, uh, thanks for, thanks for, uh, for joining us here. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, it's just I had I had a whole bunch of Windows problems, so I had to you know. I know the feel. Go through that whole. <laughs> yeah. Happens go through to that the best of us. Oh, it sure does. Windows being Windows. Um, but yeah, I uh, I kind of want to give the perspective of somebody who who hasn't been a part of the FGC scene. Um, you know, I usually play stuff like third person action games and that kind of thing. Um, so what, what do you think would be a, um, in this climate, a solid game to start with, um, as a beginner? Ah, hmm. That's an interesting question. Um, an interest, uh, a game for beginners to start with, um, huh? Well, no, it's not third string. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean I, yeah, exactly. I started to think a little bit about like, okay, well, where would you not start with? Um, the okay, there, there's there's a couple things to consider. I would say, um, 
what do you oh maybe here's a better question uh do you prefer a game that's new or a game that is that just has a lot of people playing what would you rather have a new game or a game that people play <laughs> uh I, I think the preference is is you know something that already has a community built around it yeah um mm-hmm. and just my personal style i've noticed playing uh playing john and, and fighting games is that i i prefer something slower like mk versus mm, marvel um, versus marvel <laughs> um yeah john has his john has his combos down so it's like once he starts going it's like okay cool i can't do anything <laughs> <laughs> even then even then like say jam said it it's like you could watch marvel and be like what the fuck is going on oh yeah 100 percent. yeah um you know i would say okay so here's the thing right now hands down oh and where and uh, where where is gotham city located exactly <laughs> like you're in you're in the you're in the states right yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, in, I'm in the states i'm down in a good old fla yeah we're, oh, okay. we're both in the same florida place. boys okay florida boys yeah so so here's the thing right now hands down the best possible fighting game experience you can have is through fightcade 2 which for those that aren't familiar is a um it's a platform where you can uh use emulators to pl- to load up roms and then play retro titles of all kind uh with anybody around the world for free and uh with great netcode so there's i think it supports like 7000 games so you know you can play anything from certainly you can play third strike uh to kof 98 is super popular to super turbo still has like an active scene um so from a pure experience um point of view really anything on fightcade i think is essentially head and shoulders above everything else on console and on on steam but the problem with fightcade is that you know you're not really going to have a training mode and uh so that means that you know in order to really learn because in order to really learn how to play fighting games, like, you know, you need to practice, you, you need to learn the game in, in training mode. So then that sort of brings us to like, well, what are some of the modern games, right, that you might start with, right? Street Fighter Five, yeah, which has a really good training mode. But, you know, Street Fighter Five. but the problem with Street Fighter Five is that the rest of it outside of the game itself when you're actually playing like the menus and the matchmaking all that all of that um still five years later still needs a lot of work um but it's 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 training mode is pretty good and at the lower level you know when you first start out playing like you're not gonna you know you're not gonna know the difference um but i guess i would i i guess you know what you okay Here's how you can start. I got it now. Dive kick. <laughs> start by playing dive kick, and then you move up to Fantasy Strike, which recently went uh, free to play. And um, dive kick will sort of teach you 
how essentially how the neutral game and how like footsies work um and it's short because each round is only one hit and so once you get the hang of dive kick then you can transition to fantasy strike which is which essentially has a lot of the feel of a classic street fighter game but with dramatically simplified inputs and now it's free and so once you so once you start once you go from dive kick to fantasy strike then you could move up to something like um like street fighter or, or you could even go like let's say um yeah i mean yeah mortal kombat would be fine i mean even uh, yeah like killer instinct which was on the evo online evo 2020 online lineup um because it has good net code as well um so it's kind of a progression but i think dive kick would be a good place to start i see and, and it sounds like you play uh, a mixture of console and pc is that right well <clears throat> you know i i'm not really much of a gamer in the sense of like i don't really play anything other than fighting games so like i don't think of it as like console or pc i just think of it as what are what is the best what what uh, what has the most active player base and what is the best experience so like in the in the street fighter 4 days it was xbox 360 and then you know when street fighter 5 came out on uh ps4 and pc you know because ps4 was the standard for capcom pro tour um and you know was kind of the standard for tournaments like that was what i played on but then as i stopped competing as much and was really sort of became more of an online warrior then i it became clear that playing on steam was way better than playing on console and now with Fightcade, I mean, you can run Fightcade, uh, you know, on like a toaster oven, you know, like this thing, you could, you can run it on, you know, which is also part of the beauty of it, right? You could run, you, you don't need good hardware. You don't need any of that. Um, so I, I, I mean, if I, I, I'll just play on whatever the best experience is, which currently is PC far and away, if for no other reason than just being able to communicate with the person that you're playing, you know, either yeah. like on Steam or let's say in Fightcade in the client directly. And I just, oh my God, I just feel like console is, console treats me like I'm an idiot or console treats me <laughs> like I'm a, like I'm a child or something, you know, like I, I'm a, I'm a grown ass man. Like I don't need parental controls. I don't need to, I don't worry about, you know, whether or not people can message me mean things, you know, like, I don't care about that. Just let me talk to the, just let me type like in fight you press T in the game to chat and you press enter to send. It's like, <laughs> like what, what was so hard about that? Right. It's the, yeah. and, and that's, that's what, that's what really grinds my gears. Right. Is like, it's not a technical hurdle like this is essentially like a creative and not even creative but it's like a creative slash corporate slash development choice to essentially mm. <laughs> this is going to sound extreme but essentially limit the communication and the speech uh, uh uh between players which i understand i mean in a world of 
in a, in a world rife with human trafficking, you don't want to make it too easy to message people so that, you know, you can't have, you know, people trying to abduct children. Sure. Fine. But like, nobody's, whoa, nobody's trying to, nobody's trying to abduct me. So like, just let me have the conversations with the people that I'm playing. And, yeah. you know, as you know, like we were talking earlier, what's the difference between arcade and uh, playing online? And it's like, well, you know, you're already running, uh, you're already going up against this deficit of not being able to just talk and see the person. And now you can't even type to them. Well, you know, no wonder it's hard for people to get into fighting games, right? Because, and, and it's really interesting too, when you think about Street Fighter V and the way, the direction that they took that with, uh, with Steam. Because in Street Fighter IV on PC, if you had a mic that was plugged in, when you would join a lobby, you would just, you know, like you were just connected and you could hear the other person. And sometimes that worked out and sometimes it didn't, but it, it shouldn't even matter because it should be easy to just communicate with the person that you're playing. It's 2020. Like, how is this even a problem, right? Like when you look at other yeah. games, you know, like Valorant or Overwatch, it's like, oh, you just connect with the people and you talk to the people that you're playing. And, you know, exactly. sometimes you might have some toxicity. Well, hey, you know what? Sometimes the world is toxic. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. It, it, coming from a guy that played a game that had a good and i'm not trying to get ahead and throw a percentage but like 50 percent toxicity like what was it man i was playing in the good old xbox days with my team and just for all intents and purposes just matchup wise like captain america and like magneto magneto shits on cap any day of the week this dude took a good five two up from me like i had five he had two and he messages me. He's like, oh, well, fuck you. Fuck your family. Fuck this. I'm like, dude, all right. Uh, relax. You just lost, bro. And he's like, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, OK, I'm just going to play four right now because this is this is <laughs> becoming the trend here with Marvel. But in other cases, it's like you want to be able to. Like wait, 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 hold on. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, what I do. Look at this is what I do. I get yeah. messages if when I get messages like that, I just I just take a photo and I'll just post it on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. And if we need look at if we need to set up new accounts so that people can just um, so that people can have a place to anonymously send their abusive toxic toxic screenshots that they receive by playing fighting games, then that's what we have to do guys <laughs> exactly oh my god that'd be hilarious yeah i mean why i mean look at i get people <laughs> i get people telling me all kinds of mean and nasty things on the internet but that you know i'm not gonna stop playing be, you know what, what what kind of uh, person would i be if i just sort of you know curled up and or if i just took my ball and went home <laughs> exactly yeah, exactly. if you let that if you let that dissuade you from doing the things you love, it's like it's, yeah. yeah, and you know, especially I mean, I I have a, a friend of a friend. Um, he you know he's Japanese, very polite and stuff, and you know, doesn't really understand offline FGC culture. Uh, so you know, sometimes he'll get wins, and then the person that he's playing is streaming, and then they get all bent out of shape, and then he thinks, "Oh no, like they're mad at me," and it's like, "No, bro, they're not mad at you. You're doing such a great job of beating this dude's ass that he's mad." 
Yeah. You want that. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think going into what you just said, like segueing into the next question, because it really is relevant to this. Um, so I was watching a, a Rob TV video and it made me think about like what I was going to ask you in here. And I think the thing that I want to ask is what's the difference between the international culture like out there, you know, the, you know, Japanese players, such and such when, you know, they're learning and they're playing against others versus obviously domestically in the U.S. Like what is the biggest difference, biggest takeaway out of the two cultures you know, because I'm, mm. I'm sure, I mean, I remember I saw a video years ago of you, you know, cr you know, cross counter traveling. And I was like, damn, OK, so this guy really he he goes, you know, and, and I was just like, bro, OK, cool. Not I mean, I was already subscribed, but like if I could hit the button again, I was doing <laughs> I was doing that. Um, But yeah, what's the biggest difference? Hmm. Well. I would say that, by and large, the biggest difference between American fighting game co uh, competition and international is usually the international players tend to work more as a unit. Um, um, American players typically don't collaborate as much. And, you know, there's, there's probably a lot of reasons for that, like you know, American individualistic culture or being geographically separated, um, you know, because it's a lot different, right? Like you could have the same number of, of top players in Japan as we do here, except in Japan, you know, it's the size of California, but here, you know, we're spread out all over the country, meaning that you know, it's one thing when everybody's in the same place and traveling together uh, to a foreign land to go into the belly of the beast, let's say. But it's another when everybody's coming from different parts of the country. Um, and because in America, fighting game tournaments have always had prize money, uh, as small as it might be, uh, it's still a lot different from Japan specifically because over there they can't play they you can't have entry fees and you, or you can't have prize money so there's no entry fees therefore all of the players are large ha, you know for you know since the beginning of arcade culture have largely just been playing you know for the for the sport of it right not not because oh if i win i'm going to get i'm going to win you know thousands of dollars therefore the uh, you know the guy who gets second place gets you know a fraction of that so if you remove yeah. all of that as it's been in japan for for years then you end up with a much more collaborative um i guess pl player base but you know it it also stems even, I mean, really, it goes even deeper than that because in order to, because in order to truly, like, in order to truly reach your potential as a player, you have to train with strong players. And, you know, a lot of people will get hung up on results like, oh, I got fifth place uh, or, you know, I, or I won or I didn't win, but, but when you look at the highest performers across i would say any competitive endeavor fighting games or not they 
value the process of yeah. of uh, training and competing. And I think this is just my own theory, but I think this is why when you see a lot of like Japanese, if you see a lot of Asian players when they win, they don't really look all that surprised or excited or whatever. And I, I think that's largely due to them having so much faith and being so committed to their process, meaning that like they're not, you know, they just know that the system that they've developed and that they have been working consistently over a long period of time works. <laughs> and if it doesn't, uh, if it doesn't produce the results, it kind of doesn't really matter because it's just part of the process because it's a never ending journey. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And going back to what you said about the, um, you know, the entry fees and all that stuff. I think that's why you see a lot, a lot more, um, a lot more of like vitriolic players over here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's, it it comes from, it's a deeper mentality. You, you essentially have like an abundance or, or a scarcity mentality. Right. And so scarcity mentality is like, okay, well, if this guy wins, that means that I'm less good. Or if this guy wins, that means that I have less money to pay rent or that means I won't be able to get sponsored. So it creates this notion that the pie is fixed, but in reality, the pie is ever growing. And so I personally just think that, you know, if we're all stronger than if we all share information, then we'll all be stronger players and we can all get better together. Because if we're all, if there's more players that are better, there's more people that are playing. And if there's more people that are playing, there's more opportunity, there's more money, there's more everything. So it's really a, yeah. a, a, a kind of like a rising tide raises all ships mentality versus, oh, this guy, <laughs> there's only two slices of pizza left and this guy took both of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Most definitely. Yeah, and I feel like somebody that would somebody that views the community in that way is more likely to dissuade newcomers than anything else. Well, the, I, there's a lot of this community or genre that dissuades people from entering. <laughs> I mean, but I, I agree that, that that's part of it. I mean, I, I can't, it's hard for me to tell cause I have no frame of reference for other games, but it seems difficult to get into when you're first starting out. Um, not just from a culture perspective, but from, you know, an actual like in-game, you know, learning perspective. So it's like as a new person, you're fighting against all kinds of different hurdles. Um, like what, what's it, what's the experience been like for you? Mostly I've just been getting my ass whooped by John for now. Um, (laughs) Um, no, we, we usually just play on PS4, but like, uh, but you, you, think, you and John just play together. You don't really like have other friends that you play with. You don't play like online by yourself or anything. You don't go out in person. Right. Uh, yeah, no, not yet. Yeah. Not yet. Um, I'm trying to, cause at least in my circle, John is like, you know, the FGC guy. Mm-hmm. And so 
I'm thinking that if I can get more comfortable playing him in stuff like Marvel and MK and stuff like that, and we can actually go toe to toe, I'll be more comfortable going out and doing that with others. Mm, yeah, <clears throat> and, very uh, common. And I, I will tell you this though: when that when that day comes, because I'm not even saying if it's going to be when, because I'm gonna push you to the fucking limit. Uh, when that day comes, I'm gonna be like Tommy Lee Jones, and I'm gonna kick the door and show you there's a whole big area of people that we need to meet. Like, and this is just from my frame of reference. Like when I played, because where I started was like freaking MK trilogy. And then I took that and like I had a huge hiatus of fighting games. And then all of a sudden Tatsunoko came in my picture. I was like, oh crap, this is awesome to me. And then I was playing Tatsunoko a little bit with like a various amounts of people. And then Marvel came in my life and I was like, wait a minute, I get Marvel 3 and Deadpool? Mm, yeah, everything in my life is shutting off. I'm playing this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know but at the same time and i think this goes to another question too because i mean i went to both ceos uh 2011 and 2012 before stopping and then i went to a couple others with jacksonville so i was around the green aces the flockers i was around those people for that time uh alex jabaley etc i was around those people um i think the big question another big question is what was it like being part of the 2010 era it's funny how we say 2010 era when it's like 2020 but like when you were like how was it like being part of that because again this community was growing you know from where it was being like people carrying big tube tvs and crap to like you know the 2010s where we were going in ballrooms like the progression like how was that for you to see the fgc grow to that extent hmm. um to see the FGC grow in the 2010 era um, was really it was was interesting because uh, I felt like a lot of the work that uh, Mike and I were doing back then uh, fueled a lot of that growth. Um, yeah. Certainly, it was a it was sort of a perfect storm of a number of factors. Um, you know, everything from the resurrection of the Street Fighter series with four um, to, you know, like what you're saying, the, the, the sort of rise of tournaments and the evolution of that. Um, but, you know, I think we had a big hand in um, a lot of that growth. And so it was... It, it, it was, I mean, it was everything. It was an adventure. Yeah, it, it was an adventure, a journey, and uh, to see a lot of the stuff that I originally had envisioned or a lot of the stuff that I was pushing then start to take hold. And then now, I mean, it's taken a lot longer on the content side, but, you know, I see a lot of people doing content now and streaming and whatnot. Um, and a lot of the issues that they run across are things that I ran across years ago. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of, I mean, I, I, I'm really lucky that I got to travel so much and see so many of the different events worldwide and meet a bunch of great people all around the world. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was also a lot of, you know, the, it, there was a lot of growing pains as well. You know, everything from, you know, running into legal issues with Capcom and, you know, having um, having beef or drama with people that seemed like a big deal at the time. But, you know, when you look back, it's like, 
you know, hard to remember what you're even upset about. Um, yeah. So, you know, to look back on that era, I guess you could say the Street Fighter Four era, you know, it, it was an adventure. I mean, a lot of good times, learned a lot. And then, you know, now in more, I guess, like post Street Fighter Five era, it's just completely different. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and, and speaking of, uh, of, of beef, I, I don't know if it was CEO 2011 or 2012. You were and this may yeah. it's wow, I can't even believe I remember this one, but you were playing somebody on stream and it was the it was the real saying talk shit get hit and you were just like i know you were you were you were just biting your tongue hard and i think i was watching you play and then finally when you beat him you just popped off and i was like my man yeah yeah yo I mean, yeah me versus i was playing poke chop um yeah who's uh man that guy I don't remember if it was last year or the year before at CEO, but he he, um, he made top eight in, I'm pretty sure he made top eight in Tekken. I think it was two years. Yeah, I think it was not last year, but the year before. But yeah, to see him like get up to that level in Tekken, because I, you know, obviously like, you know, I played him back in 2011 in Street Fighter and, you know, he, you know, he was really strong, obviously. And so to see him up there uh, actually gave me a great feeling because I was stoked to see him, you know, on that level um, in, you know, in Tekken, you know, in the, in the arena and everything. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's changed so much because, I mean, I don't, it's been so long that I don't even, I don't know if I've ever been there for a situation where somebody is, you know, where there's like a rowdy crowd behind people are playing, people playing. And then like some people, some people get mad or some people don't like that. Or, Oh, you know, we need complete silence while people are playing or, Oh, this is harassment and all this other stuff. And it just, I mean, it just blows my mind. (laughs) So I, because, because the thing is like when you're competing at the highest level, in anything you you don't have control of the crowd you don't have control of the the noise or what people are saying nor should you and when you're in in that situation right like you know poke chop even though he was a very strong street fighter player like you know i knew he was way better in tekken like uh, you know like i don't play tekken uh, you know if we if we if we had if the situation had been reversed like it wouldn't even have been interesting i don't you know i don't even know how to play um yeah. so yeah. he was he was probably well poke chop is like very outspoken so he's just probably doing what he normally would have been doing anyways and so yeah. i had to just just tune him out and just accept that he was going to say and do whatever he wanted, but it didn't really matter. What mattered was my reaction or non-reaction to it. So luckily it panned out so that I could just <laughs> pop off at the end. <laughs> oh man, yeah, dude, I was, what was it? I'll never forget that day too, because we just came back from Popeyes. Because Kyle, it's funny how the entire setup at Wyndham is, because like there's Wyndham and then there's every restaurant you hold like desire, like right next to it, right? <laughs> and just like, I came from Popeyes because we just got done with pools. 
right for for marvel this was like vanilla marvel before ultimate came out and ultimate just rocked my life for like four years but like you know we came back from papa's and then we we saw this and bro i was rooting for you the whole time that's how big of a fan i ended up <laughs> becoming you. for you you know i didn't think i was gonna be a huge fan of you until like i saw you on max's uh channel and i was like oh shit and I think that leads to the next one. Like, bro, how was that like for you and Max to work together? Oh, I mean, yeah, it was great. I mean, I've, I've known Max since at least 2008 because he was um, playing Street Fighter 4 at uh, FFA and Super Arcade. And, you know, like, we were always cool. It was, uh, I, I'm pretty sure he had already had his channel um, going by then. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, yeah, we were we were cool. We you know we would play in the arcade when we were there, and then um, yeah, his his channel, um, yeah, well, really both of our channels were you know coming up at the time, and yeah, Max is a, I mean that guy is a literal one man army. One one, I used to say one man army, but Max is more of a one machine army because <laughs> he is a monster. I can't honestly, that guy works so hard and has been doing it for so long and you know i mean he he deserves all of that all of the success um, yeah but yeah yeah it was, it was it was a lot of fun a lot of uh, people yeah people st <laughs> people still mentioned that uh those set of episodes um to me so yeah it was, it was a lot of fun i wish you know see that was when i still had glasses it was you know i didn't have contacts yet I wish I could go back and change that, but that's, that's okay. You're pulling off the Clark Kent vibe pretty nice. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, I'm going to you think were. about it like that now. <laughs> you were. Like, and the second you had Urian on the screen, oh, boy, Superman's uh -oh. there. Uh-oh. <laughs> Bro. Yeah. Just, yeah, that was a lot of fun. It, like, one thing I do remember from that was um, you telling – you telling uh, Max, stop with the hero mode, play Street Fighter. And I'm laughing hysterically because everybody has that problem. Like I was telling my nephew who I feel bad for him playing because like me and him joke around with each other, but he plays Alex and five. And I'm like, OK, um, listen here. I need you to not play hero mode because that's not a character you want to do that with. What? That's the only yeah. what? <laughs> I kid. That's the only. Actually, that's like one of the only characters you can do that with. <laughs> I kid. Um, and then he. And then you know what's funny? He proved me wrong because he played a. Uh, what was it? He played my friend Lenny, and he just from the other side of the screen did DDT, and I'm like, all right, never mind. No, no, no. You continue doing all that shit. Um, it was funny. So it it was my own evil moment seeing my family member go ahead and kick ass with Alex. Nice. Um, how old is but, how old is this young man? Yes, this young man is eighteen, good sir, and he's he's jumping into it because of me. Um, all the stories that I told him, the CEO badges that I currently have in my closet. He was just like, "Bro, I wanna I wanna be part of this." I'm just like, "Yeah," and I'm gonna do the same thing that I'm gonna do to Batman and kick the door down and show you. Welcome to the FGC. <laughs> that's uh, that's good. It's a family affair now. Oh yeah. I mean, he tries beating my Ryu, and, and he will eventually. I know he's going to. It's just one of those things where it's like, I keep telling him, be be patient. Like, you're going to get them homie licks, but that's part of the process. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. It's a process. And I think it's really cool um, that you're, you know, getting other people in like that. Um, 
because especially for young people um because i think about when i had the most drive passion hunger um to compete and improve and it was in that like er, you know late teens early 20s um era and if i had chosen a different if i had started playing later i don't think it would have turned out uh like it did and when you're at that age you you have a lot of freedom you know most lot many 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 people have a lot more um time on their hands and freedom to like invest their efforts into something like this which you know now seems like every day seems like more and more of a you know legit thing to do <laughs> as opposed to you know 15 years ago it was just what you did because that was all you had <laughs> yeah <laughs> But yeah, I mean, God, the, the, the challenge, I guess, for you is to find the ways to integrate your, your nephew, wait, sorry, cousin, nephew. Yeah, you're right. Nephew. Yeah. Your nephew to integrate your nephew into the local, um, Orlando scene. Yeah, I know. That's the thing, man, because like I traveled with a good old friend of mine, 13 and what's going on, little, little, little salute there to him. He got me to playing, and he, mm, uh, you're gonna laugh here, Kyle. I'm gonna, I'm gonna really tell you how Tran got me to getting better. Um, yo, John, stop jumping, fool. Yo, yo, John, you see that match? Yo, stop jumping, fool. And I'm like, oh my god, shut the fuck up. That's what you gotta do to me. Yeah. Oh, and just, and the thing about it is too, like in four, he played Ken. In Marvel, it was zero, so I had to, I had to hear zip, 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 zip for a year and then be like, all right, I got to stop that. Yeah, I mean, I think about that, um, the, the scenario of trying to train, uh, trying to help somebody that you know in person that you, uh, you know, get better at fighting games. And I personally have never, ever converted a regular friend or family member to playing fighting games because personally i just i've just never seen it i i've just never had success because for whatever reason i guess like i don't know maybe it's just the people i know i don't know but it, it seems like a struggle and listening to you guys talk about how it goes it definitely sounds like a struggle, and I feel like this is why people don't have success because uh, with bringing people in. Because typically, and this is not this is just unsolicited feedback, but like the way yeah. that you're going about it is largely going to be like ineffective <laughs> because well, because yeah. playing because playing the game is the least effective way to get better. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I told my nephew i was like he he's someone that just wants to jump in and play and then i had to refer to not only what i told him but then going back to you you had videos that came out prior and you talked about how you have to be self-sufficient 
Yes. And you have to really use problem solving and, and, and wrap all that up. Yep. Take whatever you have in terms of the vessel that you currently have. Because we are in this environment right now until obviously it gets better. But in the same time, it's like you have to be self-sufficient and self-aware of things at the same time. And he's playing a game that has, if not nothing else, like one of the best training modes that I can recall. Yep. So you have to really really look at everything that's going on from that landscape and i was showing him stuff not only just from you but also from smug and from others just pulling in information and showing him hey being hands-on is one thing but being problem solving and self-sufficient and taking everything that you have around you and learning ma and and learning frames too but then again i feel like and you can cut me off if i'm wrong at this one learning frames at a beginner's level mm, i I don't I think that helps but at the same time I feel like that would throw people away from fighting games. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like if I just bring oh that moves minus 7. It's like instead of explaining what it is and what and why it matters. Well, yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah. I mean it's true that the, when it comes to frame data that can be very um, over uh, intimidating for most new players uh, but that's because the numbers themselves are essentially irrelevant um, because it's not the numbers it, when it comes to frame data it's at the at the beginner levels it's not the numbers that you need to learn and understand it's the concept of turns and and that was I never had even really seen it explained before uh, until uh, Flo put out the first couple of videos that he put on his YouTube channel like several years ago are probably the best explanation I've ever seen for frame data and why it's important even at a lower level for beginner players because right. it's not about whether or not a move is minus seven. It's whether or not it's your turn after you block. And yeah. when you think of it that way, it's not even frame data. It's like turn data. And yeah, that's basically what it is. And, and that to me, I, it, in my experience, when I'm training people, it's far more effective to just be like, okay, this is how it works. When you block a move, it's either your turn, their turn, or it's neutral or nobody's turn. That's it. Yeah. And when you understand, and, you know, these are the things that, you know, certainly in the arcade days, we had zero concept of, you know, like I played fighting games for, <laughs> I mean, I've, I must have played fighting games for a decade before I even heard the term frame data. So, yeah. you know, uh, I wish I could. You know, thinking of oh, <laughs> thinking about the 2010 era, I wish I could go back in time to that era, knowing what I know now about how frame data actually works, uh, <laughs> because it would just be totally. It just demystifies everything, and I think that's part of the challenge with, that new players have with fighting games is that they don't even really know all the things that they don't know and they there there's no manual that even kind of attempts to 
explain everything. Because even if you did that, it would still take forever. And that's why, like, when you see um, the tutorial modes in most fighting games, even in ones that are, like, well done, like, uh, like Uniel, um, yeah. it's still overwhelming for new players because it's not it's not enough to just jump in and play but it's also not enough to just learn all of the you know the technical parts of it it's you know they're two sides of the same coin and the challenge is to illustrate concepts in the game like for example turn data um, but but give the player an exercise to engage with so that they uh, put the concept into motion because fighting games are a, you know, it's a hands-on thing, right? So you, you have to learn, you have to understand it intellectually, but then put it into practice in a way that isn't uh, just playing the game casually against somebody in a match, right? Like yeah. if, you know, to illustrate why it's bad to jump, definitely you could just play a hundred games and just uppercut the guy every time he jumps and be like, look, stupid, I told you, I told you the last 99 times don't jump. But yeah. is that, does that make for a positive learning environment for the new player? I would argue that it doesn't because especially when you're playing with people that you know it's always like you know then it gets a little personal a little too quick right versus like when i'm yeah. training somebody right i'm you know like i'll i don't play my students i play one set one two out of three just to see where they're at but i don't play them right because after i play them that one set I can diagnose what the issues are and then we go into training mode and then it's like, oh, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to put you in the corner and then I'm going to do like a throw mix of, uh, you know, X number of times and you're just going to deal with it. And then we're just going to work on this one tiny little thing because then it takes the ego out of it because yeah. our ego is the thing, the main thing that stops most people from reaching their true potential because their ego will stop them from being humble enough to have beginner's mind as they learn this new this new thing see one thing that um i run into just coming into it it, it it's it's the one thing that mystifies me about fighting games the most and um it's just like how do you string a combo together where you you, you find a character and you say Oh, okay, you know, this move works here, and then this move chains off of that move. How does that work? Because I see John do some of this stuff on Marvel, and I'm like, how did you figure that out? Ah, yeah, that's a good question. And it, well, I guess I would preface it by saying that it varies by game, right? Because each game has its own, um, like, com combo and systems engines that will determine the amount of creativity that you know one can have in a combo uh so i guess i would say that the best way to figure out how that works is you have to study the 
the combo system of of the game yeah uh, which means that which will probably mean that even when you get to that point there's going to be stuff within that explanation that you're not really going to understand right like for example when we're talking about marvel specifically um you know marvel uh games typically run on what's called the magic series so like uh you know light medium heavy uh chain together and so then you might say oh well what's a chain <laughs> and so then it's like okay well then you got to bring it back further and then sort of go through piece by piece and figure out or learn slash figure out what each of the terms and what each of the terms really really means uh and that's that's the dirty secret of fighting games is that there is no secret <laughs> like it's all it's all there you just have to the you just have to be diligent enough to go piece by piece and learn each of those elements as they come up um, yeah because and then it kind of even goes back further to the frame data, right? Because, you know, you start thinking about the magic series, right? So let's say, for example, you know, Wolverine does like light, medium, heavy. And then afterwards, uh, you know, let's say the combo is Berserker Barrage into Super, right? But then you might yeah. look at it and be like, oh, wait. So then after the after the heavy and I do Berserker Barrage... Why doesn't it combo? And then, okay, you're like, oh, well, it doesn't combo because it doesn't cancel. Oh, well, what does the cancel mean? And then, oh, what does it mean to be super cancelable? You know, and that then requires, typically requires going back into the frame data and looking at the move itself and then going to the column that, that has whether or not it's cancelable. So this is where, like, frame data becomes uh, just one of the things that you're just kind of always looking at it's not a binary thing it's not just like oh today i learned frame data it's oh frame data is just one of the things that we use as a reference point in the same way that i don't know if you were like a chemist maybe you would use the periodic table as a reference point when you're like mixing solutions right right yeah, yeah. John, john will string something together in marvel and it'll be like look kyle that's like 120 hits and i'm like you're a fucking magician because I don't know how you did any of that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's weird because like I when I got into Marvel, it took me a long time to really look at the landscape of the game. Um, I learned basically stringing combos and things of that nature. First of all, I had had a team because obviously with Marvel, it's 3v3. It's not 1v1. So you got to look at the team and the overall goal of the said team. By the way, I play Captain America Ryu in an environment you're playing, you know, Zero May Cry, you're playing More Doom. It's already, for me, it's a struggle, but at the same time, I, I rather, I'm the low tier hero of like the three, four, five people that were around me in the community. I was that low tier guy, except I didn't play Hisenko because mm, it's not a character we're going to play today. Because um, she's not even low tier, she's just, mm, she's dog shit tier. Um... But at the same token, yeah, like, and then I learned elevations and where a character is supposed to be positioned to make said combo from Yipes. 
because Yipes put a, a intro video of like how to do the Flames of Fall team loop. But when you look at the video at, at like someone who doesn't play Strange, there's still information there to be had, like how the elevation is with said character to do this said combo. And then looking at my team and being like, let me see if I could do something like that in, in training mode. Like having like I feel like this helps having something as a goal for training mode instead of just being in training mode. Like, I don't know if you agree with me too, Dex, but that that's kind of like what helps me. Yeah, I mean, it's good to have a goal. The problem is that it's good to have a goal in, uh, you know, for every session in, in training mode. The problem is that, and, and it's great to look at videos for uh, people put out about how to do this one combo or whatever. That's all fine and good. The problem is that the gap between what you're describing and what a new player experiences is so massive, it cannot be overcome. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, yeah, like, you know, whatever, watch videos. And, you know, th this is this is what people this is how people tell you how to get good at fighting games. Oh, play a lot watch videos and hit the lab <laughs> and that's like saying that's like hulk hogan saying like take your prayers say your, t say your prayers take your vitamins you know and one day you can grow up to be you know hulk hogan like okay sure it's like there's a, there's a lot of in between yeah yes yeah, exactly ex there's a lot of in between it's like i've been praying every day i've taken these vitamins for years and i'm still not hulk hogan what the fuck you like, I'm still ah, jacked. What the hell yeah, is going on? Yeah, what the fuck, Hulk Hogan? You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it, it's not, I mean, it's not helpful. It's not helpful. What the, yeah. Because, and I can tell you, like, as somebody who's tried to play both Marvel 3 and Marvel 4, I still have no idea what I'm supposed to be thinking about in so in the vast majority of situations because none of this stuff is um, and none of this stuff is obvious even to, a, to in my opinion even to somebody like me who's a lifelong fighting game player I just and so there's I feel you man there's such a gap between people who actually know how to play Marvel and the rest of us and I've yet the only time I've ever seen any good explanation for what to actually think about and do, especially when it comes to like team uh, composition, was when uh, we did this tutorial video with uh, Viscant the year that he won, the first year of Marvel, the year he won. I mean, yeah. that I got a crash course in team composition, but that's only because I because we produced that. <laughs> You know, like other than that, and I'm, I'm sure it's out there. I'm just saying like, I, you know, I haven't seen it and it's, and here's the thing. Team composition is still not even the first thing you need to think about when it comes to Marvel, because there's still probably like 12 other concepts that would actually come before that when it comes to actually, you know, learning the, learning the game. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. Um, like, it was just one of those things where it's like, because the first thing I'd bring up would be, and I, I think it's, it, I don't know if it's very subjective or objective, but like character loyalty was like another thing that I, I popped up into because like with Marvel, I mean, I'm a comic reader, so like I loved Captain America and Deadpool and that was one of the things that just gravitated me towards it. Like when Justin Wong was talking about how he loved 
uh, Storm and Wolverine because he watched the animated series, I related to that. I was like, dude, okay, I'm with you, man. Like, I played those specific characters because I grew up with that, like, yeah, way back a, in New York. Well, you just said that Shenko is dog shit tier, so <laughs> so you would never play her. So what if, what if I grew up loving Shenko? Then what? Yo, first of all, I'm going to give you a salute because yo like i i get it like if i put her in a tier list that that's kind of where i was at like if you play a senko and you beat me with a senko first of all you're getting a handshake second i'm buying you lunch <laughs> yeah that's the, that's that's the second thing um you know and then third yo i want to talk to you for a minute because holy shit like i like i want to at least pick through your brain and understand why did you pick pick that character not saying anything bad by what i said earlier i just you know by that measure like when i was going through characters like going outside of character loyalty which even now i'm still doing like funny how the game came out like what some odd years ago and we're still finding out things and we're still kind of like testing new things because you know why not like oh, learn absolutely. newer things you know oh, 100%. Um, you know, like I'm playing Doom. Like we were talking about this a little bit after. I mean, uh, before like the uh, the episode or whatnot, um, where you know I was picking something like Doom or, or something like that out, and I was trying, you know, newer things. Cause hey, man, like not having. Cause I play Re Captain America, Ryu, and Deadpool. That's like the team that I have played for years. Um, and you know, I have a second team, but like at the same time, those are my three characters that I absolutely love. Um. So with that being said, like, yeah, like to answer your question, I mean, if you pick Tesenko, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, crap all over the fact that you're playing a Senko. Oh, no. It's just if you ask me on a tier list, where would I put her? It, it's definitely not going to be top five. Like if we're going on the uh, subject of tier list for Marvel. Yeah, I would not put her top five or top ten. No, of course. But it's not about. Yeah, it's not about the tier list. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying on the subject of it. Like, uh, that's, yeah. 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 I mean. It, it's it's character loyalty is so it really just depends on your goals right because yeah i well now i i don't know it's hard to say i say generally if you're trying to compete at the highest level uh it or sorry if you're if you're just playing for fun you're not trying to compete at the highest level of course you just play whatever characters you like it, it doesn't matter because who cares um, yeah. But then, you know, because because that that implies that if you if you wanted to compete at the highest level, then you know your character choice does matter because of tiers, blah blah blah. But then you look at somebody like Justin, who's playing Wolverine and Storm because he liked the X Men cartoon, and then it's like, well, maybe all of that goes out the window, <laughs> you know. But yeah. but then I. You know, and, and so I used to think about this, I used to think about it more as a third strike player because back then, like, it was cool to be like a character specialist. And, you know, so I would just spend all my time playing Urian and didn't really take the time to learn the other characters because I was under the impression that all the time I spent learning other characters would just have been time that I could have spent learning Urian and getting better with him. But now it's obvious to me that what I should have been doing the entire time is essentially learning all the characters. <laughs> and, yeah. and 
because when you learn the whole cast, I mean, not, I mean, you don't have to learn the whole cast, but I mean, you know, when you learn most of the cast, your life is just easier because you don't, you don't struggle as much with the with the characters that you know how to play. Yeah. And, that was my yeah. problem for years, by the way. Just yeah, to... me too. And it, Oh, yeah. And it sucks because I would have just been so much better. But now, like let's say playing Third Strike on Fightcade, it's actually so much more fun for me to play all the characters that I never – not only did I not play back, back then, but actively disliked – and thought were wastes of wastes of slots, you know. Um, it's like I'm having more fun now playing Sean and Remy and Q, oh, especially Q. I play so I have the time of my life when I play Q Super Art Three now, and it's it's. Uh, I mean, it really speaks to you know the longevity of you know some of these games that you know oh, yeah. you could be playing 20 years later. And having played 20 years ago and still be, you know, still have it feel brand new. And, you know, people get caught up in these notions of character loyalty. Like, that shit doesn't matter. Like, it, it's, it, it's, it does not pay to be, like, a character. Um, it does not pay to be a serial monogamist when it comes to characters. <laughs> oh, I gotcha. Like, for example, like, Super Scroll. I actually play that character in Marvel. Um, and and Kyle, you've seen that. Um, yeah. It's one of those things where I was like, yeah, sure, let me go ahead and try out Super Scroll. I don't know too much about him, but let's just jump into him. Yeah, uh, that was fun playing, um, you know, some people. Um, and yeah, I know it's so bad online with Marvel. I just had to be like, just reach for the stars and go for it. And just, oh man, it's bad. But I did find a couple of good connections. And it was one of those things where I played like a good player match with like sets and whatnot. And overall, I definitely agree with you when it comes down to like, for years, you, you, you play X character here, X character there and not like branch out and really try other things and really get to like have more fun with it. Cause that's what I did with with Wolverine and Frank West and, and, and super scroll and, and hell, I'm not going to lie. I had fun playing doom for a little bit. I was like, and I was complaining about that. Yeah. Like that's, you know, I mean, it, that's the best. That's, that's the value of learning mo the whole cast is, you know, you think that some moves are really good or you think some characters are really good in a certain way until you actually try to use them yourself and you're like wait a minute that actually that move su actually is not that good and it's actually way harder to play this character in this situation and you would have never known that if you didn't take that time and you know you think about the strong you know you think about like the daigos the justin wongs the sienz of the world it's like dude do you really think that they couldn't beat you with like whatever character you thought was the worst of course they could. Yeah. <laughs> why? Oh, because yeah. because the why, uh, how could they do that if this character is so bad? Well, I mean the character is not act the character wouldn't be in the game if the character were that bad. <laughs> it's just that it doesn't matter if the character is bad if the player is good. <laughs> oh, of course. And you know, I you'd be surprised how little how little time it takes to 
learn the basics of a character and then uh, how much that will help you when you fight them in, in, in the next match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I'm finding this a lot more constructive for me as well because like in MK11, when they um, when they dropped Aftermath and they were like, hey, Robocop's coming out. I was like, eh, fuck, I guess I'm buying MK11. Um, <laughs> and I... I I feel like I over-devoted to RoboCop to the point where it's like, I don't think that much about how another character moves right. versus exactly. RoboCop because I don't play that other character. Because generally, in most non-Marvel fighting games, it's a two-player game, not a one-player game. And the, yeah. the, the problem that I see many new players go up against, even at an intermediate level, is... They, I mean, I just, it sounds bad, but I just, I, I, I call them, I call them selfish because they can't, or it's like, you know, in, in today's world, we, we, um, today's world, many in society value a trait called empathy and it's hilarious to see the lack of empathy in fighting games, not because you have people behind you heckling and talking shit, but because people cannot actually empathize with the opponent because they know nothing of the other character and they aren't thinking about what the they aren't they aren't putting themselves mm-hmm. in the other person's shoes and i think about my experience in the you know the non-fighting game world just in general and i feel like my empathy even though a lot of people would disagree but i, I feel like my empathy is high because I, I've spent so much time thinking in match about what the other guy was going to do. So thinking about the other person, even if I don't agree, is just part, is just a habit. It's just part of me now, you know, and, and learning other characters or I guess learning the characters in the order that the game wants you to do it, I think is the most effective approach because it might be RoboCop that gets you playing the game, but as a new player, that's not necessarily how you're going to find early success because oftentimes the characters that are most interesting are interesting because they break some kind of rule in the game. Right. The characters that are interesting are not the ones that are like, you know, generic, well-balanced and whatever, but those are the characters that you have to learn first or, you know, well, do whatever you want, but those are the characters where it's most effective to learn them first, which is why, like, when it comes to Street Fighter, no matter which version of it it is, I tell people that you must learn the game through Ryu's eyes first because... Otherwise, you're going to have this skewed perception of, uh, of the game because you started with a wacky character. Right. And, and a lot of it is, um, you know, John plays Noob Saibot. And, you know, I don't know a whole lot about the MK universe. And I didn't realize that Noob Saibot had that teleslam. And he kept hitting me with that and hitting me with that and hitting me with that. And so I was like, oh, OK, you know, you've got to register that and then adjust and account for it and be like oh okay noob can do that and if you play those other characters it will help it'll help you do that down the line yeah exactly like um uh yeah it's it's important to think of it i i think it's more effective to just think of it like a 
like you're taking a new class, right? Like, oh, here's the class. You know, you don't really care when you go when you take a class, right? And the instructor says, well, this is this is the syllabus. This is what we're gonna do. You don't say, well, <laughs> look at why don't we do it things in this order? <laughs> I I want to do this. You know, the professor's just yeah, like, well, no, this is this is how you learn the thing, <laughs> and yeah, um, yeah. Um, Yeah. Speaking like of here. Ryu, oh, I don't, I don't mean cutting you off, Kyle. No, that's all good. Uh, um, it's like you, you can't refuse to let the game teach you things because you want to learn one specific aspect. Exactly. And the game, in my, I mean, this is just a theory. I've never made a fighting game, and I've never asked any of them. But to me, the characters that the cursors start on are the characters that you need to learn when you're first starting out. And um, there, there's like an order to it, I guess even, I would say even in Street Fighter. Cause I think of, I've thought about this a lot in, in Street Fighter V, as well as, um, um, sorry, I'm getting like a fucking text message. Uh, it's fine, whatever. I, I already told the guy I would call him back. Um, yeah. like. In Street Fighter, right, you you start on Ryu, and you can the the next logical step is to go to Ken, and then people are like, "Well, I don't want to play Ryu. Ryu sucks. Ryu's boring. I don't want to play, or I only want to play Ken, or I don't want to play Ken. I don't want to play Ryu or Ken." But it's like, "Well, are you trying to learn? Are you trying to learn the game for real, or are you just fucking around?" You know, because, yeah. you know, like it or not, Ken, Ryu, and you can look at the stats yourself, but when you look at the CFN stats, Ken, Ryu, Akuma, and Guile are the most popular. So it's like, oh, of course. So it's like, if you don't know how to use Ryu, like 10% of your matches for sure are going to be a struggle. But if yeah. you learn how to use Ryu and then you transition to Ken because the muscle memory is the same. And then let's say you transition to Akuma because the muscle memory is largely the same. You're going to get three slightly different viewpoints on how to see and think about the game. And that to me is a far more solid foundation than trying to like pick, you know, whatever character is, is the best or whichever character looks cool. Yeah. I feel you. On the topic of Ryu, I was going to, because we talked about this on the phone before you jumped on on for the podcast. You, uh, you, and I'm grinning as I'm saying this because I really want to hear your opinion on Ryu in 5 in 2020. But you, you said you had something for me on Ryu because it sounded like you had a difference of opinion. Um, I'm definitely up to hearing, like, how do you feel about, since you, you talk, we talking about Ryu, how do you feel about him in going into Season 5? How does he stack up? Uh, I, honestly, I I couldn't tell you because I have paid little to no attention to to Season 5 and Street Fighter 5 as a whole uh, in quite some time. But what I will say is that this is the best iteration of, it seems like the best iteration of Ryu since uh, the beta version or the release version. But I would say that he's better because he didn't have donkey kick before so yeah. like 
they, to me, you know, even when I dabble in Street Fighter V and I play a little bit of Ryu or like, yeah, if I'm like training somebody, I play a little Ryu. I'm like, dude, this guy is dope. It's so, it, I, I don't know. I think it's a lot of fun. I don't think, I don't think that uh, Ryu sucks. And even if he wasn't as, you know, he got toned down in season two and season three, but once they gave him docking, donkey kick, he was back in the game. Now, now he, he's back to the beta version where once you're in Denjin, you throw fireballs and it doesn't even take any of your V trigger anymore. Like, dude, like they, tr- okay. They look at, they're trying to make Ryu great again. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, he, he's so much better than what he was in the past. I definitely agree with you on that sentiment. Like I was talking to a, another YouTuber. I, I won't mention his name, but I know for sure he was, uh, let's just say he was rather, and he's rather salty because he had to deal with a certain matchup. And I kind of had to break down what I felt about Ryu in the current state and how you play against him. Because really, the matchup he was playing against was G and Ryu. And I'm like, I don't like that matchup whatsoever. But it is possible to beat, you know, said G. It's not like it's the end of the world. Oh, my God. Like, I can't deal with G whatsoever. No, you can. Yeah. uh, You know, honestly, I'm just going to stop you right there. All I hear is victim mentality that's basically what it was on that YouTube video. That's what it was, Gutex. And so I met, I responded in a YouTube comment rationally how to deal with G with Ryu. And he came out in the most condescending way. And I was like, wow, dude, like I was trying to give you like some sort of insight on how to deal with G, at least in my perspective. And because of your platform and because of who you are, you have to go condescending. I'm just like, okay. And then so I didn't didn't phase me not one bit. I responded again and I broke down just what you can do against G once more. And I said, hey, if you're going to be this condescending, it could be worse. You can battle G and Rashid and you could deal with it even further. Because in my honest opinion, based off of just seeing other Ryu players and then dealing with it myself, Rashid and Ryu, yeah, it's a tougher matchup than it is Ryu and G. That's just my personal honest opinion. But can Ryu fight against them? Sure. But you have to honestly do other things instead of, you know, it being like going back to the basics of Ryu and Ken. You know, um, that's just my honest opinion. It sounds um, like what you're describing is you saw a situation, compiled a bunch of research, presented them with logic, and then they told you to go fuck yourself and that your opinion, uh, that your, uh, your data did not matter. <laughs> the evidence yeah. meant nothing because they weren't willing to listen to reason. Huh. Yes, Interesting. That's, that's basically what it was. It was hmm. like, hey, this is how you do this. And it was like, nah, dude, I just wanted to bitch about it in a video. That's all. There you go. There yeah. you go. And I was a I was a fan watching his 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 Ryu was very aggressive and I was like, oh crap, I actually like this. And then I watch him play against G and I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Oh, okay, hold on. And then so I, I watched the video again and again and I was like, mm, there's your problem. And I presented it in like a good two paragraphs and I'm like, hey man, I've been a fan for a while. You know, just letting you know. And then I'm like, hey, so this is what you can do. And of course, like you said, Gutex, he was just like, fuck off. Yeah. Mm. 
people are not trying to hear anything that doesn't fit their beliefs slash worldviews. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that kind of brings it full circle with what you were talking about at the beginning where you said if people would collaborate more, it would make this, um, the, the FGC just a whole lot better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it really would. And, but, but what stops a lot of it, yeah, is definitely the ego because so many people cannot put themselves into a place of humility so that they can learn more effectively because you can't learn you can't learn anything and you can't have a, a discussion with somebody who's sort of like closed off to um the possibility to, to the possibility that there are things in this world that they don't know and it doesn't mean that and that's the part that people don't understand it's like just because you don't know this doesn't mean you're dumb or a bad person it just means that you you don't yet know it and that's you know that's where I, that's why that's, that's where i come in you know uh but it's it's funny because and i think about situations that i've been in and i think it's only because i i'm blessed to have so much experience dealing with people so i've met so many people and been in so many social situations so my like my social iq is higher but I find I, I make it a point when I come across somebody who's really knowledgeable about something that I'm interested in. I mean, I make it a point to just think of it like I went to the top of the mountain to see this person. And if they tell me that I got to, you know, or like, you know, Karate Kid is like, oh, wax on, wax off. You know, like if they tell me I got to wax the car, like I'm, I'm going to wax the car, like because because the master said that that's what you have to do. Yeah. Right. But, you know, I don't know. People haven't seen enough Kung Fu movies or something because, <laughs> because it's like lost. It, no, it really is. And I mean, you know, this is sort of the value, I would say, of like real martial arts, right? And a lot of that, you know, in a, a lot of the, fun, not, uh, not the physical fundamentals, but like the mental fundamentals, I guess, uh, of martial arts certainly apply to, to fighting games, but people don't treat it that way because it's just not recognized like that yet. But, you know, years from now, there will be dojos and books and manuals and all the stuff in the same way that if you wanted to learn, you know, jujitsu, you know, there's lots of resources for, you know, for you to do that. Yeah. Oh, for sure, man. Mr. Batman, do you have another question for Mr. Gutex? Um, kind of thing. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm gonna have. To, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. I'm gonna have to head out soon because I. Uh, yeah, the uh, AC guy is here. Gotcha. All right. Well, in this case, guys, remember to follow us at uh, Facebook.com/slash/dpbats. Our respective Instagram pages at World's Greatest Detective 626 and, of course, the Trigger Happy Chatterbox and our guest, which, of course, is Gutex. And uh, as always, stay gold. Yep. Thanks, guys. Later. 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 Oh, actually, here, I'm going to put the <laughs> I'm going to put this I'm going to put the plug at the end. Yeah. Hey, fo uh, follow me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, 
G-O-O-T-E-C-K-S, for all kinds of, uh, you know, it's a mix between disinformation and what you really need to know. <laughs> Thanks. Like <laughs> I said, go to the top of the hill, listen to the sensei. Yeah. Yes. We're not falling, we're taking back to the days, and yes, you're in. We're holding on to what's cold, yeah.